0: Hello, and welcome to Security Leaders, the podcast where we speak to security managers, chief security officers, and professionals from across the security spectrum. My name is Neil Sutton, editor of Canadian Security Magazine. My guest for this episode is Rui Rodriguez, loss prevention and risk management expert and principal consultant at Ruka Consulting. Rui has worked with retailers including HBC, ICI, Best Buy, Staples, and Holt Renfrew. As a consultant, he continues to work with retail organizations, specializing in strategic and tactical program design, people development, and threat and risk assessment. Rui has also been actively involved with the Retail Council of Canada for over 20 years. In July of last year, he joined the RCC as the Resident Advisor for Loss Prevention and Risk Management. I recently spoke to Rui about some of the major issues facing retailers and LP professionals today, including the serious setbacks experienced during the pandemic, de-escalation techniques when faced with a threat of violence, working effectively with police responders, and his work with the Retail Council of Canada. Before my conversation with Rui, Here's a quick message from our sponsor Commissioner's.
1: the biggest issues in terms of dealing with loss prevention hiring the right people and the manager being very much engaged with what's going on the indications that there is video monitoring matters people are conscious of those things training staff to be vigilant and be switched on to the possibilities of the, those things happening there it makes a big difference Those people that you can count on become your best and most vigilant people to deal with shop leaders. I'm Stephen Grant, the Risk and Resilience Advisor for Commissioners. If you wish to learn more, check
0: commissioners.ca. So thank you, Ruby, for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate some, you sharing your insights with us on today's podcast. Pleasure, Neil. Great to be here. So let's start with one of the, the bigger questions. Um, retailers were clearly hit pretty hard during the pandemic. It was one of the sectors that was most directly affected by uh, what was going on, the lockdowns and so on. What do you think the lessons learned were for loss prevention professionals during this period?
1: Well, I think there's a, a few, but one of the key ones I think is, um, you know, there were certain retailers that of course stayed open as part of the essential services, whether it's pharmaceutical, grocery and others. Uh, so those folks saw uh, De-escalation throughout the pandemic, the increase of violence, aggression uh, by individuals, uh, whether it's normal folks just uh, getting a bit more aggressive, but also more the criminals that got more aggressive throughout. Uh, for those that were closed and then you know had to reopen, I think one of the biggest pieces coming out of COVID, the pandemic, is retailers seeing this surge of violence um, that is occurring. So you know, increased violence, increased weapons being used in the Commission of Offences, a lot of LP professionals and their leaders and organizations recognize that you have to make a significant investment in retraining your personnel. You may have been, you know, for a year not really dealing with the public. Uh, And coming out of that, not only are you dealing with the public, but you're dealing with a much more aggressive public. So I think LP professionals for themselves had to go back to retraining on some of the De-escalation techniques, aggressive, uh, be ready for those types of situations, but then also leverage those folks as part of your front lines to also train your, your employees and managers, uh, because they themselves, of course, also are facing these escalated issues, escalated violence and aggressiveness uh, in retail. So I think that's a big part for a lot of LP professionals is, you know, if all you did before or part of what you did before was shoplifting deterrence. You know, monitoring for those things, audits. I think you become a great educator coming out of this to make sure everybody at the front line dealing with customers today is getting that additional training around the escalation, the recognition of aggressive behavior, how to recognize it, how to create that space, how to address it. Uh, because the focus has really gone from security uh, to a security and safety. And the primary focus is keeping everybody safe, your employees, customers. Uh, and that's really, I think, added a, an additional lens to the LP professionals who before may not have been, you know, the teachers of personal safety in that, that I think you need to. Uh, and I would say lastly, you know, not every L- organization has LP on the front line in stores. Some of them are district regional players. Uh, so their role is more to teach the front line workers and managers. So that puts a lot more onus on them maybe moving away from auditing for shrink and auditing for operational excellence uh, to really focusing on what can we do to help the organization train and keep our frontline workers safe uh, and shift their repertoire and their uh, abilities more to that, which may have required a little bit of training for them as well, right? Cause they become more of people leaders, people coaches rather than necessarily process uh, or security uh, type. So I think that's, it's allowed the LP industry to I think increase the things they may be able to help their organizations with, but certainly with a focus on safety uh, and meeting this increasing tide of
0: violence that
1: we're seeing, aggressive behavior that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, it seems like for some people um, who were frustrated during the pandemic or didn't agree with some of the protocols that were in place, uh, their, their point of contact was, was with that frontline person, was with somebody that worked in a, in a retail outlet that was deemed essential and could stay open during the pandemic. So. Um, have, have LP professionals become more adept at sort of handling some of these rises in temper or potential aggressiveness? There was a lot of people that, you know, refused to wear, or some people who might've refused to wear masks or or didn't want to follow policy. And the recourse for the frontline professional was to do what they could to, to try and uh, make the best of that situation.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think, you know, previous to COVID and the pandemic, Uh, lp professionals would have seen some of this but in smaller case right so if you're dealing with a a shoplifting incident uh, a violent incident uh, i think an lp professionals approach not all the time but most cases would be you know i'm going to observe do i have found committing of theft you know if my organization's protocol is to make apprehensions you know i engage in the safest manner i do that you know uh, now I think with everything happening through the pandemic, a different lens of who is the individual. Is it a person who's just gotten frustrated uh, because they've been waiting in the line because somebody else beside them is not wearing a mask and they are, and maybe they're dealing with that? Uh, Is it somebody who's been cooped up for a year and just you know maybe the mental health issues uh, are putting people more on edge? Uh, So rather than just you know monitoring for. shoplift or committing a crime and then deciding what do I do with that and following my protocol, uh, now you're dealing with people that maybe get aggravated for a lot of different situations uh, and the decisions aren't as clear. Uh, So you become this ambassador of safety, right? Our goal is to try to see if you can de-escalate, but with that comes the powers of observation is what's causing the escalation. Is it an outright person trying to steal and it's you know, to become violent because of their commission of theft? Or is it somebody who's just gone vocal, maybe swearing at, doesn't like our refund policy, doesn't like what we've had to say? And is there a way for us to engage in this conversation a way to try to salvage it uh, to the point where we can get them to calm down, address their concern, and keep everybody else safe? And a lot of times it's going to be a manager or LP that will step into that situation that may have the higher training and ask the associate to back away and engage in it. Uh, so I think that has definitely changed because it's no longer just the person's being aggressive, so I'm going to detain them, arrest them, uh, they're causing mischief, it's what's driving the aggression and what's the best thing to apply to it to try to dissuade, de-escalate the situation and get it to the best possible resolution, recognizing that I might be looking at a uh, an addiction issue, a mental health issue, uh,
0: there's all kinds of different reasons for the aggression. You raise an interesting point about um, what frontline security people and uh, loss prevention professionals could do to become an ambassador for the organizations they represent. And this isn't just in, in retail. it was, I would argue it's probably across most security cultures that have a, a frontline presence or deal with the public. But to what extent should um, security professionals become that customer service representative?
1: You know, a great mentor told me about 20 years ago, the best deterrence the shoplifting is customer service, that hasn't changed. I think what's changed is recognizing what to apply and what treatment to apply to the different individual. Somebody wearing a large coat in the summer months, carrying backpacks, those are not necessary indicators of somebody's gonna do something bad. So just teaching people great customer service, treat every person who walks through your front doors like a potential customer and offering up great support assistance is the best deterrent. So yes, there's gonna be times where there's a criminal organized crime which is also on the rise and it's very obvious whether it's booster groups, organized crime, gangs, uh, and those situations occur. You know, the 80% that are shoplifters and can be met with great customer service to not provide the opportunity for them to commit the theft uh, is a, always been a great focus. I think it's more important now because being able to recognize a situation early and be it prevents it from the tempers flying. Uh, and, you know, frontline workers, managers, they are facing a lot. So where we provided historically training for frontline workers that are in those of situations, whether it's hospitals, things of that nature, they've got that type of training. It's the recognition now that, hold on a sec, retail frontline workers are under pressure like other frontline workers are, maybe not to the same degree all the time. Uh, and therefore, we need to train them on how to recognize assess and de-escalate situations uh, because in that 80% where you can, the goal is to keep it safe. If you don't know how to recognize and meet it and you also get aggressive with that individual, the escalation just continues and then the violence may emerge, right? So I don't think, you know, for the the situations where the person came in to steal, may have a weapon in their bag or something of that nature and their goal is if I can get away with it, I'm just out of here. The last thing we want to do is meet them with aggression that prompts them to use that weapon. Now, some people will use it just because they're bad people, but others that may escalate in violence and shoving and pushing uh, in physical behavior that wouldn't have come out unless they're met with the aggression. We need to teach people to recognize. But I would also add to that: we we get to a point of if the person who's bringing in the aggression is putting employees. And customers in harm's way, then we need to sometimes take action to prevent harm from coming to others. Uh, so those LP professionals need to be trained up. You know, if somebody is in a retail store and is causing violence with weapons and they're not leaving, um, you know, we call 911. Police resources are tight. Uh, we're having concerns with that. Obviously, we're collaborating with police, courts, government to try to address that to make sure. Those 911 calls from a business retailer, that is for an immediate threat. You know, the person is here now and they're threatening. We want to see an immediate response. Reality is we know that isn't happening. Uh, Police response, even in those situations, could take 15 to 20 minutes. There's other calls. Uh, So the LP folks need to be trained that in those situations where this person is about to cause harm and they're not leaving and we need to detain that individual to protect others, including themselves, uh, then that training has escalated as well, right? So organizations that pre-pandemic may have been thinking we're we're heads off, we're not making arrests, now may be reconsidering say, well, we may still have that as part of our method, but if there is a situation where there's a violent criminal in our store who is causing harm, we may have no choice but to detain that individual and our LP professionals need to know how to do that safely.
0: So you mentioned working with first responders and police um, and some of the difficulties that LP professionals might have in terms of marshaling resources to combat this ongoing problem. But what can they do to make the best use of the resources they have and work effectively with police?
1: Well, I think internally, one thing is, you know, have protocols to understand that everybody right now, uh, resources are tight. So it's easy to get frustrated at police when we don't call and there's opportunities they need to address for sure. Uh, however, you know not every call is urgent, right? If somebody commits a theft, no one's harmed. They've committed the theft. They left. That's not an urgent call that requires police assistance right now. Um, so if we recognize that as businesses, that you know you may call into police to file the information on the theft, but you're not calling nine one one for urgent, right? Theft is committed. They're gone. It's not a nine one one call. When it is urgent, and if those become what we place as 911. I think the important fact is when you make the call to dispatch to the communications, you have to relay the information. So it can't be I retailer X, I'm calling because we just had a theft or we have a theft. It has to be I'm calling because we have an urgent matter. There's a person in our store, they have a weapon, they're threatening our customer's employee and it's happening now. So we need to convey the message to ensure that it's understood. This is a immediate need. There is an impending harm uh, to people and we need police to respond immediately. That way, the radio room, the commission communications prioritize those calls appropriately. Uh, it's not unheard of that if you get a call from a retailer, the perception is it's a property crime, it's not urgent. Police intake look at prioritizing calls. So, you know, they are obviously going to flag calls for priority, uh, domestic abuse, other calls of nature that are more priority are going to get priority. So if we communicate the information as it's happening in stress when there is a victim, uh, obviously that should get a higher priority on a call. But as I said, you know, the other part is not to call 911 for every retail incident or theft if it's already taken place. You know, that's our no, you call the normal police line uh, and report the crime or report it online. What I would say, you know, a lot of the colleagues I speak to in retail they are adopting that and it's really about training their frontline, their stores, uh, adopting the methodology of it. It's happened, we call the non-emergency line. You only call mine one where there's an urgent need, there's an immediate need, there's threats of violence or the perpetrator is still in our store and you have to stress that information. So I've seen over the last four or five months, uh, more of a move to making sure that level of communication is out there so the frontliners understand how to place those calls. The goal being that hopefully we're putting less pressure on police, right? Instead of 100 calls, they may get 20 uh, and the other 80 go through the non-emergency. The hope then is that if you get less calls coming in from business, you should have
0: more resources to be able to respond to those urgent calls. Do you think retailers are working effectively with each other? Like they might be competitors in terms of the retail environment, but they're colleagues in terms of security. Are you seeing those retailers work together to share information for their mutual benefit? Yeah, and I
1: gotta say in 30 years of my career, probably better than I've ever seen. Um, And you know, I I have the pleasure of working with Retail Council of Canada. We formed a loss prevention advisory committee made up of 26 retailers across Canada, uh, who really steer and guide the agenda of the priorities of LP risk management for Canada. Uh, Out of that, they also created a task force focused on working on three objectives that they Uh, they agreed upon. The first one was addressing the increase increase of violence, arson, and property damage that we're seeing and continue to see. Uh, The second was to create opportunities to collaborate with police, courts, and government on these issues and work together on solutions. And the last, the third critical one was dealing with organized retail crime and really working together to look at solutions to make an impact uh, in reducing the organized retail crime. Uh, I've seen for the last year and a bit the level of commitment from retailers to come to the table and continue to speak. Uh, The advocacy the RCC is doing on their behalf with government, we see ministers of justice, solicitor generals, attorney generals coming to the table to speak to us across the country in various provinces and wanting to work with us on those solutions. So I think the level of collaboration just between retailers but also the police, government, recognizing that The violence is there. It's not just a property crime, it is impacting people in the community. Uh, And there is a will to work together for solutions. In my 30 years, I haven't seen the momentum we're seeing now. I'd say it's still early stages, but the fact that the conversations are happening and the goal is around solutions, uh, and there's provincial efforts because we recognize that in every province, the situation and the issues may be different, uh, I think is great. So I'm optimistic. even though today we feel like we're losing the, violent, the, the battle against crime, I'm optimistic that people are committed to looking for solutions. Retailers, there's always going to be the competitive advantage around sales and that. But in LP, you know, we got professionals that know what to say and how to say it without revealing any proprietary information for the organizations. Uh, but it's very clear that there's a common goal to keep their employees and their customers safe in their communities. And they're going to work together to bring your belt solutions to do that. And, you know, I would just reiterate, I haven't seen that in 30 years, the same level of commitment that I'm seeing now, which I think is what's driving the support from police and government because they're being met by a coalition of retailers coming together, one voice talking to them, which I think sends the message, this is serious. And therefore, the response has been fairly good from those areas as well.
0: Great. Thank you, Rui. Uh, We appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. Great to do it, Neil. And I
1: hope in you know the next six months of the year, we can have a similar conversation to actually talk about some of the great outcome uh, and solutions that have come out of the efforts. Sure, I look forward to that.
0: Thank you to my guest, Rui Rodriguez and our podcast sponsor, Commissionaires. You can find more security theme podcasts at SecurityMag.com. I'm Neil Sutton. Thanks for listening.